just have to say I, I thoroughly enjoyed hearing a little bit of, of the expression of your practice. And I was remembering as, as we were finishing this, this line that someone puts at the bottom of their, all of their emails, it says something to the effect of anybody's, uh, anybody whose story, wait, an enemy is anybody's story that you don't know. And there's just something so connectable about sharing our, the truth of our experience and it reminds us of our, our common humanity and it's a way of joining and becoming less enemies and more, and more friends and that really in some ways is the promise of the best possibility, the promise of community, of practicing together with others is not just, as I've mentioned many times here, it's not just what we can receive in our solitude, but it's also what we can offer, both our, our presence and this evening we had, for those of you who weren't here early, we had a volunteer appreciation evening and that's where all the food came from and we have a cadre of, of joyful volunteers here who every week make it possible for us to to meet in this way and and, uh, and it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful element of the Buddha's teaching that uh, not only is the is the uh, do we have the refuge that the Buddha recommends the refuge of of the Buddha that capacity to awaken, that wakefulness that is intrinsic to our nature, uh, the Dharma, the, the truth, the teachings, but we also have the third jewel or the third refuge called the Sangha, community. And to me the community is the, the relational expression of the of the general direction of our practice of widening out of the, the narrow world of our own individual preoccupations to a, a wider sense of, of connection. And because we have, as a culture, I talked last week about having our, our humanity kind of colonized by certain common, uh, common tendencies, things that, we, that are part of our individuality but that they're made up of all influences of, of, the, um, of our, the world we live in. And, and it seems that most of us in this world have in some ways relinquished a, a large aspect of our being of our humanness, of our shared humanness, for, in behalf of, our rational mind and the version of ourselves that plays in our rational mind, that often is, is somewhat disembodied and pretty much uh, preoccupied with me and mine, and with the acquisition of what will make me happy. And if, if I have relinquished 
my, just in the simple way, if I've relinquished my other senses, my embodiment, which includes my capacity to resonate with others, to see them, to hear them, to smell them, to, to feel them through the body, I, um, and just live in the world of my imaginary, my imagination and the version of myself that plays in my mind, if I miss that, I start living a, a, semi, a somewhat isolated, compartmentalized, disembodied life. And in the Buddha's teaching, one of the, the ways through that, that, um, that isolation and separation is to see that the one we imagine ourselves to be is, is an apparition, it's a, it's a thought. And that the more we see that there's no aspect of ourselves that lives independently apart from everyone else, that whole identity view, that's that isolated view of ourselves, that contracted little version that often feels that something's wrong and that something's wrong with me, it gives way to a, a wider circle of caring and affection through seeing moment to moment that nothing really exists independently, that everything is dependently co-arising. So you don't exist apart from me, I don't exist apart from you, because there is no me here that exists completely independently. And that comes through the, the careful observation of the flow of experience. Another way that that isolation, that, uh, that that relinquishing of the, of the body gets healed, gets reconnected, is through, through selfless service, through giving ourselves to support other beings. And to me, it's, it, it's one of those recognitions that, yes, we start with this feeling of being alone, and we need, and so we're, we're part of this we're born into this feeling of duality. I'm here, you're there. And, that, and depending on our conditioning, that duality, that sense of separateness, either gets reinforced, strengthened, and we get even more hungry, more, have deeper longing to connect, and then often more and more confused about how to do that. And of course, we're colonized by the by the um, consumer machine so that you know most of us go shopping to try to fulfill that longing but um, so so some of the the method that's offered is isn't necessarily always fruitful for for turning the two for that duality to help us re-enter into the stream of connection from the two becomes the one so we can start to feel ourselves as part of the family of, of the world rather than that sense of isolation. What I've seen over the course of serving the Sangha and what I've seen in, you know, not all the time because it's stressful sometimes to be in the volunteer and the service role as well. And we always have to find that middle way, what's, what's too much, what's too little, what's self-abandoning and what's selfless service. And, and each person has to have their own wisdom, but for the most part, the effect of joining with others in support of each other gladdens the heart. It's reliable. It's, 
And it's not so much about you sitting, putting your tush on your cush and doing your individual practice. That's part of it. That's one of the doorways. But in the Buddha's teaching, the other doorway is how we are in relationship with each other. And how we are in relationship to, to those who support us. How we also support those who support us. And that reciprocal relationship of giving and receiving is really essential. It's part of the act of generosity to receive. It's part of the act of generosity to give. And, and I've seen just, to me, it's, it's both a joy to observe. Because sometimes I observe the, the, the joy of volunteering. Because sometimes I, um, I think, oh, I, I, I'm the only beneficiary of this <laughs> in some ways. Sometimes it'll feel, if I get caught in a little personality thing, I'll think, they're doing this for me. Because Tuesday night sangha is, you know, I'm the, I'm the guiding teacher. That's, but then I, I look at everyone, and they're not doing it for me. They're doing it for you. They're doing it for themselves. They're doing it for that to fulfill that natural melting of that, that, uh, that sense of isolation uh, that is really a fundamental illusion anyway. And why not use every means of, of melting away that sense of separateness? And one of the, it's, it's just a joyful way to go through life is to serve others selflessly and to um, it's a gift to the giver, a gift to the receiver. It's just part of dana. And I, I, I don't think there really is a hierarchy, a privileged practice, in other words. There's not a hierarchy. Sitting's not better than service. Service is not better than sitting. I think a comprehensive approach is great, but if you, if you are prone to holding back, to Worrying about your, worrying about losing your, some, whatever it is that your considerations are, it's worth experimenting with testing out to see if it's true. Is there a joy of giving? Is there a joy of serving? And I, what I see showing up is there's a lot of joy in it. And I think that maybe our deepest longing is to connect. And I, I heard some interesting studies on the radio today. I don't know how many of you were listening to Michael Krasny interviewing Daniel Pink, who's just a, an encyclopedia of, of research. But he talked about the change in the immune system when people sing together. Choral groups have a, a high high level of immune um, enhancement. And the same with, with uh, when people row together. I think it's the same when people sit together and when people serve together. It's the same phenomena of connecting uh, together. And there's a kind of harmony in that when it's done consciously and done in a non-harming way. And I guess I'm just putting my vote in for, for uh, or any doorway that you find that, you, um, that you'd like to experiment with to see if you can, in your own way, 
uh, melt away whatever, uh, whatever veils of delusion or confusion that, that, that make, it, make, and that confusion that gives rise to that feeling of isolation and separation. That, that feeling that you, you are kind of encapsulated in a, in a place of not just aloneness, but loneliness, a kind of aloneness, not with life, but a, a, aloneness with aversion where you feel cut off because your, your heart or mind is tight and contracted. It's not so far away to feel the, the, the melting of that um, tight fist of grasping or that heart tightness that comes through letting go into the stream of either friends or practice. Uh, so enjoy. Um, let's see if I want to read anything to you. And in some way, the, the heart of the matter, of the, the spirit behind all of this is an opportunity to engage in, in an expression of love. It all comes down to love. And I was reading tonight the song of Tilopa, you know, from the Tibetan tradition. And Tilopa said, to, he, he put it in the context of avoiding the disastrous way of hatred. And hatred comes from the sense of, of isolation getting caught in ideas and views of self. And it's, it, it's a sign that the, the, the full-bodied connection with life has been co-opted by views, by our, our rational mind. So he says, to avoid, the decisively, uh, to avoid decisively this disastrous way of hatred, bring to birth within your stream of awareness the maternal mind of totally positive intentions toward all beings as toward cherished children. This mind of kindness, supremely skillful in loving care, unveils the infinite value of every single life, demonstrating compassion as the meaning of existence. And I've read this before on Tuesday night. He says, so sensitive, this reminds us of our interbeing, so sensitive an ecology is the interdependence of all, of all, that the slightest attention and assistance to others creates moral elevation for ourselves and humanity. While the slightest indifference or neglect toward others creates moral harm for ourselves and our civilization. The faintest spark of ill will toward other beings can burst forth into a terrible forest fire, consuming vast expanses of sympathetic joy. Even the faintest negative reaction or malicious wish opens wide channels throughout our entire being for life-destroying poisons of negation and life-obscuring shadows of self-cherishing. Cast far away from all precious humanity, these lethal doses, these ominous shadows 
by cultivating instinctive admiration and love for those who practice the way of selflessness. Adore such bodhisattvas for their irreversible vow to remain intimate with the struggle of living beings as beacons of love and as the light of panoramic vision. So using that altruistic intention to keep expanding our, our heart-mind to keep in mind the, uh, the welfare and benefit of all beings. What better way can we spend our lives? So if it's not in, with mission dharma, it should be in some form in our life that we, we cultivate this loving heart and express it in our actions and get that immune-boosting effect of doing it together in tandem and in harmony. So may we all awaken together, may we all serve each other and all beings everywhere. Let's just sit quietly for a couple minutes. May all of us in our individual practice remain at that single point that connects with all things and all beings. And may that feeling of connection express itself as as boundless love, compassion, joy, and equanimity. May any of of the blessings and fruits of our practice together tonight. If there are any, may they all be shared freely. May all beings awaken. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for the Q&A. Thanks, for the, thanks to all the volunteers. Thanks to all of you for your practice. and uh, Thanks for your generosity. Just a couple brief announcements. I have a day long this Friday at Spirit Rock, and there's still some spaces in it. Friday from 10 o'clock to 4.30 at Spirit Rock. It's entitled... Uh, the Buddha's Way to Welfare and Happiness. And uh, just another reminder, as we do each week, that we're here dependent on your generosity. I'm here dependent on your generosity. Uh, This system of mutual generosity that goes back 2,500 years. So thank you in advance for any generosity that makes it possible for us to be here. And uh, we have all the programs. You can do it on the web through PayPal or the back of the room. You can... We have the program of Donna for an evening of Mission Dharma. If you want to offer for the whole evening, you can offer whatever you want. It's all voluntary. Uh, it's much appreciated. It allows us to keep going. And thank you in advance. And have a great week and hope to see you next week.
Thanks. Chairs, chairs, need some first, first services putting the chairs back. I just love being here. Uh, and you know, you actually were speaking to me because, um, you know, this, my future is like fast approaching with, you know, I'm going to be retiring and things like that and thinking about all these options and sort of saying, well, what, how am I going to be, you know, productive or is productive even the wrong way to think? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.